You're listening to The Point of Survival, brought to you by Solstice Media, written by Tricia Haggerty. Music and audio production by Ed Batewell, narrated by Andrea Fuller. Episode 14. Kyle and Sid crept through the alley toward the square with Ben lagging behind. They were surprised to find that the battle had continued on in the square. They'd been in the greenhouse behind the building so long they assumed it had long since died down. There were so many recruits that Sid felt an immediate crushing wave of defeat. But she knew that the recruits, while numerous and aggressive, were ill-trained with weaponry and had some weak spots of their own. Sid zeroed in on a particular battle atop the rubble that was once Connery Hall. Her father was in a sort of arm and neck hold with a recruit in a contest of plain brute strength. Sid sat Ben down in the alley and followed instructions without argument. My dad, Sid pointed, he needs help. She turned to Kyle cautiously. Need to sit this one out? She was referring to his recent bloodthirst for which he was wildly ashamed. He shook his head vigorously, unable to make eye contact. I'm fine, he said. What are we going to do with him? Kyle asked, gesturing to Ben and loading the word him with more hostility than he intended. He stays put, Sid said. But if anything happens to me, don't finish that thought, he said. From his pack, Kyle selected a medium-sized flail he manufactured back at the field house, made from a baseball bat and two feet of chain threaded through the center of a round weight. Sid nervously caressed the raven head atop her walking cane. Someone should stay here with Ben, Kyle said. No, she snapped. He can't defend himself. Sid looked back at Ben. They won't know he's here. Kyle stared at her. This stubborn, beautiful creature who for some reason made him desperate to kiss her, even as they were about to head off into battle. But before he could, Sid sprinted out to the rubble pile that used to be Connery Hall. The debris was a 50-foot tangle of massive concrete slabs and jagged pieces of rebar. Papers, books, and folders littered the pile, physical evidence that the site was once a venue for education. Jack was still wrestling the recruit atop the pile, trying desperately to force him over the edge. By the time Sid and Kyle reached the heap, more recruits were in pursuit. While Sid climbed, Kyle stayed at the foot of the pile, swinging his flail like a helicopter blade. The recruits tried to grab at him, but were too afraid to get close. Sid took her walking cane and jabbed the recruit in the middle of the back, then jabbed him between his legs from the back. She slammed the cane up and down, up and down, until he finally threw himself over the ledge to escape the assault. But much to her horror, the recruit went over the ledge while still holding onto her father's jacket. Sid watched helplessly as her father toppled backwards off the pile of debris. No, she screamed, trying to keep her own balance on the wobbly hunks of concrete. At that very moment, Sid heard an unnatural sounding moan come from behind her. She spun around, searching the darkness for the source, over by the alley where Ben was sitting. Recruits were trying to take Ben into custody. The sound was coming from her boyfriend, who seemed to actually be resisting. It was at that moment that a giant crack tore through the middle of Sid's world. 
Her next decision would set off a multiverse, where the now Sid would break apart from an alternate Sid who took a different road. She looked down at her feet, which stood on an imaginary timeline. One step in either direction would seal her fate, and quite possibly the fate of two men she loved. Sid turned and looked over the edge after her father, who lay at the bottom of the pile injured but still alive. She flashed back to the image of her mother lying on the white linoleum, her body twitching and seizing. Her mother's eyes followed Sid, begged her for help Sid didn't know how to give. The pain of the memory was as vivid as the day it happened. Kyle was racing around the pile to reach Jack before the recruits could, while Sid stood frozen at the top. She learned a lot in the past week, changed a lot. Without much deliberation, she knew for the first time in her life exactly what she needed to do. It all came to her in the space of a few heartbeats. She looked back at Ben for what she believed was the last time. She said a silent, I love you, to him, and started to climb down the pile to save her father. Kyle had already reached him and was dragging Jack into the building next door. Sid followed them and climbed in through the same broken window. Is he alive? Sid asked, and Kyle nodded. What's the plan? She asked. We have to get Ben, Kyle said, but Sid shook her head. They got him, was all she said. We can fight them. They can't have gone far, Kyle said. Sid shook her head. I won't lose anyone else. Okay, he said gently. Then we need to get back. Diversions have done well by us in the past. I say we light this sucker up and run like hell, Kyle suggested. Sid nodded and went to her father. Dad, she said, we're gonna get you out of here. Jack gave her a painful half smile and a nod. Maybe we shouldn't move him, Sid said. What if moving him makes it worse? Kyle put his hand on her shoulder. I don't think we have a choice, he told her. Just then, there was a clatter and banging at the windows and against the side of the building where the recruits were attempting to enter. We need a diversion, Kyle announced. He set Jack up near the front entrance and asked Sid to stay with him. He lit a torch from Jack's bag with a smaller bottle of pesticide he'd swiped from the greenhouse and ran from room to room igniting curtains and bookshelves. It went up surprisingly fast, so much so that Kyle had trouble getting back to Sid and Jack. He dove through the flames that had taken over the corridor and finally reached them, his sleeves on fire. Sid immediately went about thumping out the fires on his arms. Get under his other shoulder, Kyle yelled as he swung the doors open wide. Ready? He yelled over the mounting smoke and chaos. Let's move, he said. They escaped into the square and ran for their lives with the fiery carnage behind them. They were the last team to make it back to the subway station where everyone was waiting for them. Sid and Kyle were running on pure adrenaline, but when they finally unloaded Jack, the exhaustion crept in. Jack had been in and out of consciousness, and it felt as if he weighed twice his normal weight as he rested on their shoulders. He was brought down into the station by some other men and laid on someone's pack as everyone gathered around. He fell off the rubble pile, Sid said. About a 50-foot drop, Kyle added, gasping for air. Some of the men moved in and began to administer first aid to Jack. You're exaggerating? It wasn't 50 feet. I fell five feet and tumbled down the rest of the way. Just a little banged up is all. Let us take a look at you, boss, one of the men insisted. 
you're no good to us injured, Sid said to him. Lie down and do as you're told. Jack finally conceded. Sid moved out of the way and came over to Kyle. She peeled the singed shirt away from Kyle's skin. You need to have these burns looked at, she told him, beads of sweat rolling down the side of her face. He weakly refused, but she insisted. She asked the men for first aid supplies to wrap the burns. They had something gauzy and some sort of petroleum ointment, which had to suffice. Sid took Kyle by the hand to a spot at the bottom of the stairs away from the crowd. We failed, Kyle said. I'm sorry. I really am. I feel like I let you down. Sid looked at him, shook her head. We're outnumbered, and we're still alive, she said. That's something. One of the men who was standing guard at the street level yelled down to them. Convoy's coming. Sid and Kyle looked at each other. Convoy? One of the men came over to them. Jack arranged for some guys with military trucks to bring us here, he told them. Hide in plain sight kind of thing. Another man chimed in. Best we get out of Dodge, he said. This spot's too hot. We lost four guys. Sid touched the man's arm. I'm so sorry, she told him. Denver, Andrew, and Jeannie came up to Sid. Denver hugged Sid from behind. We're hugging now? Sid asked her. Yes, Denver said. Get over it. Just then, there was more commotion from up on the street. The guard was struggling with someone, refusing them entry. Well, I ain't seen you before, so beat it, he told them. Then a very familiar voice shouted back. I'm looking for a girl named Sid. I saw her go this way, he said. Just get Sid. Sid hurtled over Kyle and scrambled up the steps two and three at a time. There, in all his glory, was Sam. He was alive and he was holding Ben. Sid pushed the guard aside and hugged Sam and Ben at the same time. Sam, I'm so glad you're okay. You saved Ben. Sam laughed. This is Ben? Huh? Sam unloaded Ben onto the ground and sat him up against the wall. The recruits were trying to take him in, and he wasn't having it. I thought I'd help him out, and then I saw you and Captain Assface running through the square. Sid laughed and squeezed his hand. Then she bent down to Ben. We're getting out of here, Ben, she told him, as his eyes stared through her, unresponsive. Is he recruited? Sam asked. What's with him? Sid shook her head. I don't think so. Maybe not all the way, anyhow. Kyle came to the top of the stairs. Sam, you made it, he said. That's great. Sam just glared at Kyle. He found Ben, Sid told Kyle. He turned and saw Ben and tried so hard not to look disappointed. In politics, you learn to keep a poker face, but he was sure anyone looking could see through him like glass. The moments following were nothing less than complete and utter pandemonium. There was shouting and the frantic gathering of belongings, trucks pulling up and people hurrying to board. The guard decided that Ben might be a risk, so they tied him up against Sid's wishes. Don't you dare, she cried. He's not dangerous. Get your hands off of him. But after a few minutes of heated debate, Jack finally intervened with what was likely the last bit of energy he could summon. Sidney Elizabeth Trainer, get your bubble butt in that truck and let my men handle Ben. Because it came from Jack, Sid had no recourse and complied grudgingly. 
quick and disorderly as it was, they were able to board everyone and drive off in less than five minutes. Kyle made certain that he and Sid, and therefore Ben and Jack, were all in the same van. No one knew where they were going, and in Kyle and Sid's case, they couldn't see where they were going either. They were silent at first. Kyle and Sid sat beside each other across from Ben. He was not oblivious to his restraints, occasionally fussing and grunting like a wild animal caught in a net. His eyes stared right through Kyle and Sid. She wondered if he'd ever be the same. Thought about how, just days ago, they argued about moving in together. Now he was gone. A shell. Kyle grabbed her hand, in front of Jack and Ben, and she didn't resist. Was it her lack of energy, or had her whole world actually shifted? Was this the other side of the multiverse? She didn't know. She didn't know if there was an antidote that might fix Ben, or where on earth they were headed. But this she knew for sure. She loved everyone in that van, and almost lost her life several times trying to save them all. And it occurred to her that she would do it all over again, if it were required. She also loved her country and wasn't about to try to escape it. Like her father, she too had no intention of letting a psychopath wipe them all out. The horrors she witnessed wouldn't let her forget. Huh, she laughed to herself. Look at me, tough guy, warrior. The thought of it made her smile. For the first time in a week, she didn't feel anxious. Sid was never the type of girl who fantasized about wedding dresses and baby names. She finally realized why. It was never her destiny to marry someone, build a family, and live a safe little existence with a white picket fence. For the first time in her life, Sid felt like she finally knew who she was. And it was a decision she made, all by herself. You've just listened to the final episode of The Point of Survival, written by me, Trisha Haggerty. Audio music production by Ed Batewell. Be sure to visit tpospodcast.com for more information about us. Join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our bonus content. But most importantly, if you like The Point of Survival, we would be so grateful if you would subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you enjoyed this podcast. Send us an email at info at tpospodcast.com if you'd like more of Sid's story. Thank you so much for listening.